Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked, What was going on? He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? Then the father said to his son, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and he has come to life. He was lost and he has been found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, holy God, we give you thanks for your word to us. We thank you for the way that Jesus told stories. We thank you for the way that those stories speak to us today. Help us as we wrestle with this text, as we listen for your word in our lives. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. The Prodigal Son. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But this week, as I was getting ready, this is one of our Lenten readings that we've been, with the the devotionals that we've been using. This was one of the readings that landed on today. And in preparing for this, I have struggled with this story and have asked the question, is this story fair? Is it fair? Is it fair that the brother who lost everything... By being irresponsible, wasteful, selfish, self-centered. This one who made a mess of his life. His father throws him a party? Is that fair? And what about the faithful, responsible, well-behaved older brother? The one who has always been dependable. What about a party for him? Is it fair? doesn't seem fair, does it? How do we define fair? Seems to me that in a fair situation, the one who messed up 
would pay the price. The one who did the right thing would be rewarded. Right? But that's not what's happening here. What's happening in this story doesn't seem fair, so what do we do with this? Does this mean that God is not fair? The father in this story, the story that Jesus is telling to the crowd, the father in this story is like God. So Jesus is choosing to teach the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who God is by telling a story. You see, the Pharisees were disappointed with Jesus. He wasn't following the code. He was eating with outsiders. He was hanging with tax collectors and sinners. And I can imagine this was making the insiders uncomfortable, possibly even scaring them. They were seeking to get control again. They are, in a way, trying to put Jesus in his place. But Jesus says, let me tell you a story. And the story he tells them may not have given them more confidence in him. The story he tells them is about a reckless boy who loses his father's inheritance and the ridiculous way that the father responds. A response that does not include punishment or judgment, not even criticism, or at least a bit of eye-rolling, gee whiz. Now this father runs towards his lost son and hugs him. No questions asked, no explanation necessary, no lecture. Just a hug and then a party. This is the God we worship. How do we feel about this? When I think of some of the misfits of life that I know, some of the folks who have really made a mess of things, I tend to think they should pay the price. They should clean up their act. And I'm in no hurry to receive them before they do their part. I wonder how I would react if I were the father in this story. How would you react? What if you had a child that asked for all of his or her inheritance and went off and blew it irresponsibly, recklessly? How would you react? For starters, I am not sure that I would have given the inheritance in the first place, or at least not with some good instruction. But then, if they blew it all, they would get a good talking from me. And I doubt I would ever let them live it down. I would be reminding them constantly about the mess they made. Remember when you did that? Do you really want to do that now? I don't think I would have thrown a party. Maybe this father in Jesus' story knows what he is doing. By accepting the son back with love, maybe then this son will live out of a place of love. But it's risky. It's a risky thing to do. But God is known for doing some risky things. But what about the older brother? The poor older brother. He never got a party. But did you notice? He never asked for a party. 
So I'm the youngest of four children. And on a personal note, my, bro- my older brother Chuck's son is here today, Chad, and I'm so thankful that my nephew is visiting. He can attest maybe to this story that I'll tell. Uh, being the youngest of four children, it is possible that I have been referred to as the spoiled one. On occasion, possibly the one who gets everything she wants. To tell you the truth, I have always been surprised by my older siblings' inability to ask for what they want. I recall when I was in middle school, my older sister Christy and I, we would ride the bus to the mall. The bus, we just could walk to it from our house, we'd get on the bus, we would ride to the mall, and we would go shopping and go to the food court and walk around. I vividly recall running down the stairs of my house, and just before getting to the door, I would ask my parents, can I have $10? My sister Christy would snarl at me. My dad often opened his wallet. Once we got out the door, Christy would say, why did you ask for more money? We have our allowance. I would say, because I don't want to spend my allowance. And besides, I want to go to Chick-fil-A and get a sandwich and to Orange Julius and get a shake. She would be so disappointed. I would be so satisfied. (laughs) I would tell my sister, Mom and Dad can say no, but you never know until you ask. My older sister would frown upon me, but I had fun. And this still goes on in our relationships. (laughs) Maybe that's a difference between the youngest and the oldest. The older brother in this story is told by his father, Son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. This brother of yours was lost, and now he is found. He has returned home. Let's have a party. It really isn't the most rational thing to do. It doesn't necessarily make sense. It might not look good on paper. And possibly, according to our thinking, it just isn't fair. But guess what? It is what God does. When we return to God, whether it be at the end of a lousy day, We're at the end of a rock-bottom season of our life. When we return to God, God runs toward us with open arms, loving us, welcoming us home, offering to have a party, forgiven, accepted, made new, loved. This is the God we worship. According to this story we read that is told by Jesus. Now for some of this, some of us, this might be the most liberating message in the world. Hallelujah. God accepts and forgives me. God loves me just as I am, broken and confused. For some of us, this might sound like a lot of cheap grace and we just don't get it. Shouldn't we take some responsibility? Are we just to live a life of reckless abandonment and God forgives us? 
The bad news, good news is, yes, God's love for us is not dependent on our actions. God loves us, period. Before we can say God's name, God knows our name. When we are faithful Sunday school and worship attendees, God loves us. When we pray daily, when we serve the poor, when we make our pledge to the church, God loves us. When we skip church for a year, when we are finalizing our divorce, when we get in a really ugly argument, when we are ashamed of our actions, when we make bad decisions, God loves us. God loves us when we are faithful. God loves us when we are disobedient. God does not decide how much to love us according to our actions. God loves in spite of us. God always loves. And we can respond. We can turn towards God. We can return to God. We can live in God's love. And I know that personally, when I receive and embrace and live in God's love as a beloved child of God, for me, it is then that I am eager to share that love with others. God gives us a commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But how do we know how to love? God shows us how. We are to love without judgment, critique, analysis, correction. We are to love like God loves. And the only way I know that we can do this is by first knowing that we are loved by God. That when we come down that street, that God's arms are wide open to embrace us and to welcome us home. Thanks be to God.